Hey, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And this is The The Business Family. Family. You're listening to episode five of The Business Family. Today, we're talking with Dr. Tom, who happens to be Mike's brother, and Lauren Williams of Roots Family Chiropractic. We had a front row seat to their story, and in today's episode, Dr. Tom talks about the ins and outs of a business plan and getting a bank loan. We all talk about how to create value for your clients and just how important your why is. So let's jump on in. Guys, super exciting day today. We are sitting down in my brother's living room. This is Tom and Lauren Williams. They own and run Roots Family Chiropractic here in Lincoln Park in Chicago. Guys, tell us about your family and Roots Family Chiropractic. You want me to go, Tom? Yeah. So Tom and I actually met in undergrad. We met in anatomy lab. Super nerd status. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool. That was my best man speech at the wedding. It was like wrapped up around that. And that was the only laugh I got the whole time. That's awesome. So we met in undergrad um, and we actually got married while he was still in grad school at Palmer. It was, we were actually just talking about this. We got married on Saturday and then he went back to school on Monday. Um, grad school that. for chiropractic. Oh, and then I crazy. went back to work on Monday. We were crazy. Um, and then after school, when he graduated from Palmer, we moved here to Chicago and we've been here ever since. It's been almost four years. He opened up Roots right out of school. Um, I alongside him as his office manager, kind of doing all the behind the scenes stuff. And we actually found out we are pregnant with our son, Oliver, a month after we opened up the office. Yeah. Um, so pretty much we got pregnant with him the month we opened our office then, because you usually find out when you're like four weeks, um, along. So it was pretty crazy. He came with us to the office for his first six months of life around there. Um, and then after that, we've kind of got some new childcare stuff, but yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah. Oliver came to the office with us after two weeks of being home with Lauren, I was able to take off a little bit of work. I would take off the mornings, go in the afternoons, and our family practice allowed us to schedule people as we pleased. And so we were able to, everybody was able to come later in the day and they, I was able to extend it as long as I wanted. And people were really understanding of why I would do that. And then, you know, Lauren, before we even had Oliver, she was laboring in our practice. And so that kind of shows Mm -hmm. how our family practice is unique. We take care of a lot of kids, pregnant women. And it was just a really interesting experience to see her in labor as I was taking care of people as we were, you know, going through lunch and all of these different things. And it was a really unique experience. Yeah, I feel like everything about our story has been kind of fast and furious. But um, when I was laboring in the office, I remember people being like, can I drive you home? And we're like, no, we got this. We got this. And that's kind (laughs) of how we've been. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. (laughs) And you guys touched a little bit on it, but I would love to hear a little bit more just so people know, like, a little bit more about your philosophy with chiropractic, because I, I mean, I've gotten a first, you know, hand seat at hearing all about it, learning about how, how your pediatric focus, why you want to be and, um, family focus. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. And so the reason we opened up Roots Family Chiropractic together in Chicago was one, we wanted to live in Chicago and we wanted to live in Lincoln Park or Lakeview area, but we, wanted to take care of families in a very unique way, especially kids dealing with either different sensory neurodevelopmental challenges or just kids looking to raise them 
in a healthy way rather than trying to fix them as they grow hmm. and are adults. And so that's where chiropractic, you typically think of neck pain, back pain, headaches, rehab, therapy, and that's out there. But what we're really focused on is the health of the nervous system. And so I can assess this with technology in our office. And when we remove this interference on the nervous system, the body has the innate ability to heal and to function appropriately. And so this is where we're able to help grow kids into healthy adults, help them develop exactly as they were meant to. And this is really the premise of our practice to where we're seeing more than half of our practice members are children. And some of them are very sick and then some of them are very healthy. And so we're really looking at this very broad spectrum of taking care of Chicago as a whole. Cool. Yeah, you guys, it's been really cool to see you so focused on that. And yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, I would love to hear a little bit more. I Again, we've just had this front row seat to like your life and like all the craziness. And it's been really fun to see you guys try to navigate it all. And um, I just want to hear a little bit more about uh, Oliver and like kind of your plan when you figured out, oh my gosh, we're pregnant and this baby's showing up in nine months. Um, cause if you guys don't know, well, you guys probably don't know, but they actually got featured on pop sugar, right? Um, ABC national news on their website, CBS Chicago. Tom has been dubbed the baby wearing chiropractor and Dr. Dad, Dr. Dad. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find a link to the news like video in our show notes, but it's awesome. It's great. But they actually brought Oliver to the office for like the first Six yeah, or almost, seven months, yeah, about right? Six months. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that conversation. Like, was it happening even before you had Oliver? Was it just kind of like a last minute, like, okay, I guess we're just going to go for it. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was definitely a conversation before we even had him, because since it's, it was only us two in the office at the time, we had no other employees. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really have a choice. It was either hire someone to take my spot or have the baby come with us to the office. Um, And it was just kind of a mutual understanding that during that fourth trimester, it's such a special bonding time that we didn't want Oliver and I to be separated during that time. Um, And I was also really passionate about getting back to the office. Mm -hmm. It was our first baby. Ultimately the office Mm -hmm. was so bringing Oliver along was just kind of a no brainer. Um, like Tom mentioned, I started going back to the office when Oliver was about two weeks, um, not full time, but a couple times helping out here and there. And our practice members were so excited. I remember thinking at like one week, like once you kind of get over that, like postpartum, like waddle, I was like, okay, I can go back because I want to show everyone our baby. I'm so proud of him. Everyone's been asking about him. Um, yeah, it was just really special. And then when we got featured in the news, it was just like a whirlwind. Like it was just crazy because we had someone from Japan reach out to us. Like yeah, some we Japanese, actually... we couldn't get back to him because it was like a international phone number. Um, wow. It was crazy. But in our interviews for those kinds of things, we just kept saying, because people were like, you guys are so unique doing this. We're sure there's other people that do that too, bring their babies to work. But to us, it was just our normal 
Um, we were used to baby wearing. We knew we wanted to. We were prepared for it. So it was just easy for him to be on my chest or Tom's chest um, as we worked. Yeah. And it was really out of necessity, too. We weren't in a place where we could hire someone yet. And so that's where we wanted to bring Oliver. We were excited to have him there. And, you know, whenever he was being a little bit more fussy, well, Lauren would step away and go take care of him. And when he would sleep, I would typically hold him in a carrier because I really loved holding him and I really loved being close to him. And so it was something that was really great with the way that I provide care. I don't necessarily need to be, you know, handling people like you typically think of a chiropractor because people are, it's a lot more focused, a lot more specific. And so he was able to stay on my chest and people are pretty much laying face down on the table. So it was a really great experience and it was a blast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point to mention that we were totally in a different spot in our office than we are now in terms of office growth. So a lot of people were like, wasn't he a distraction at that time? He wasn't really a distraction. I was able to step away if he needed to nurse. I was able to step away if he cried. Um, now we'd be in a little bit different of a spot, but I, we still would do the same thing over again. Hmm. Yeah. We would have made it work. Can you talk a little bit about the transition? I remember like the conversations we were having because I actually brought Jed to work um, when I was working before we moved here to Chicago and he was around for about a year and then it was like, okay, we're done with this. <laughs> but I remember having this conversation with you guys of like, okay, like when is Oliver going to transition? It feels like maybe it's time. Can you explain a little bit about that? kind of phase and moving into the next phase yeah he was just starting to become more active he had more wants and needs he was able to start expressing more wants and needs not just you know milk and sleep as the main ones and so it was more of move play hold me you play with me i want to crawl and in the practice it can work pretty well and it we we held it a little bit longer than we probably like we're thinking about doing it. And he started to become a distraction where he was taking Lauren away from the front desk or starting to create more of a fuss. And so that's when it started to be more of like, hey, maybe we should start figuring out if he can stay in the office or not. And we got to figure out how to get him watched during that time. Yeah, I think around that time is when we actually got a baby gate from Kristen, I think your mom. Oh yeah. And we're like, we gotta throw this up because this child is driving us crazy. He's wanting to get behind the front desk. He's wanting to get into everything. Um, so yeah, it was definitely the time when he started to get getting more mobile. Um, and he's also very attached to both of us too. So if we weren't able to give him that full attention, he's a little bit more shy around other people that it just mm -hmm. was starting to get like okay, it's time to kind of phase him out. Stranger danger started, yes. to, started yes. to become real because he was very social early on mm -hmm. and he was happy to be held by other people. Um, but once that stranger danger type of development starts to happen later on in those, you know, second half of their first year, he was like fully fledged, get away from me. And so it started <laughs> to become like crying and screaming if somebody was trying to interact with them, which isn't the best not ideal when you're trying to grow your business get your kids adjusted they'll cry when you try to pick them up <laughs> perfect oh man so yeah. so so 
just backing up like kind of a lot further back. Lauren, you went to school to be an occupational therapist. Did you know that throughout all of undergrad, undergrad? Yeah. And then you're doing that, but now you're, you're transitioning out of that because you're still kind of doing a couple of days every once in a while at the mm-hmm. hospital. Tom, you wanted to be a, a physical therapist first. Was, did you change your mind before you started going to college or was that during college? So I changed my mind at the beginning of undergraduate okay. because I first started seeing a chiropractor in high school. My mm-hmm. last year of high school, I as growing up as a child, I always had back pain for as long as I can remember and never got to the chiropractor until I said, take me now. And then the chiropractors that I went to were very they were great adjusters, but they also did a lot of rehab and therapy mm-hmm. as well for athletes and people. And so that's what I was initially exposed to. And I was like, well, I love chiropractic and I can adjust people, but I can also do therapy and rehab. And so I can take care mm-hmm. of athletes. And so that seemed like my great option. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I kind of changed my route from PT to chiropractic. And then my story pretty shifted quite a bit throughout chiropractic school because I started to learn what chiropractic really was, not just this rack'em crack'em. And what it could do, basically. And what it could do for someone rather than just relieve pain, which is important, but that there was a lot more to it. So I didn't want to work with the docs that I was initially thinking like I wanted to work with and in that way. And so then I started getting really lost in school, actually probably pretty depressed and anxious because I didn't have a plan. I didn't want to open up my own practice. And I finally realized that a lot in my life was, I was kind of just like given to me and that I was exceptional at quite a bit without having to do very much work. And now I'm in grad school when you can't necessarily, I couldn't necessarily just get by Mm -hmm. and working in real world and opening a practice like that overwhelmed the heck out of me. And so I went to a philosophy night at one of outside of school about midway through school and heard a story about a child with autism and how this mom saw these magnificent changes with his health and his Mm. behavior through chiropractic care. And so once I saw that, it was clear as day that that was what I wanted to do. And so I fully invested everything that I had into that mindset into that philosophy into that model and so that's what i opened up my practice with that's awesome so then to open a practice during grad school did they help teach you how to run a business <laughs> that's a funny business question. plan it's a great question you learn that in chiropractic we, school I don't, yeah. know. I don't remember how many business classes i took it was usually right at the end of school that they teach business sure. and it's being taught by chiropractors who are no longer in business and so they're they, old and outdated. Yeah. It's really confusing why they're teaching sure. it when they actually never had that successful practice. Right. And so it's really just like, we didn't get the skill set needed. I had a rock star business plan, but that's because I crowdsourced and created my own business plan from others that I found. What do you mean you crowdsourced your business plan? Asked other chiropractors who opened up theirs, looked at their business plans, took bits and pieces of all these different ones so that I could create this awesome business plan. Even as professional photographers and videographers, 
we found ourselves using our cell phones to capture a lot of our on-the-go content for both our family and our business. That's why we purchased Moment Lenses. Moment makes a variety of lenses and photography gear for your mobile device that can elevate your cell phone camera to a more professional quality. If you're interested in learning how Moment Lenses can up your cell phone game, check out thebusinessfam.com slash moment and get 10% off any of your purchase. Mm-hmm. And go from there. But the real business. What, what does a business plan entail even? Oh my gosh. Like I'm serious. <laughs> you know, that's like, I'll, I'll pull up a file for you to look at because it. Well, it just like, what mine, are like the couple of things? It's just like. It's not a couple of things. Like it's. It's everything. So when I went to banks, I pitched them with my business plan and my financial plan. I printed it out at FedEx, got it bound. Bound, It was like 50 pages. And so what it is, is this your like philosophy, what type of business you're running, who your target market is, where they live, what their ranges are, the area that you want to open in Mm -hmm. and what the statistics are there and your marketing plan all Mm -hmm. all these different things Mm -hmm. and then the financial plan talks about projections and cash flow and all of these different things Mm -hmm. and so it was a really in-depth thing but i don't remember everything that's in it totally totally but so then you brought that to the banks and then bank you just brought it to a bank and then the bank's like that's a great business plan here's i don't know how much money but like here's some money yeah so when we moved here in july i did an internship until October when I graduated. During that time, Lauren was also looking for a job, found mm-hmm. a job and working. And so I was doing a lot of the business sure. development early on. And so I took the business plan. I would go into banks. I would ask for connections and referrals with bankers. And I talked with probably 13 to 15 banks and they all said no. Yeah, oh, They all geez. said, great business plan. We love it. No, we can't. So, it's too risky. Wow. So I would pitch... The banker in front of me sometimes have the woman in tears because she's so excited about what we're going to be doing and how it's helping children and all of this. And it's like, great, I'm asking for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Not really, oh, that's it. not really a big loan, right? In terms okay. of business, yeah. and they're like, this sounds really awesome. I'm so excited, but what's the back end then? Well, I have zero assets, <laughs> zero experience, and zero clients that I'm already seeing. And that was obviously a major hang up for yeah. banks. And so they would just say, no, the numbers don't work when they would send it to someone else to look at the numbers. Right. Um, and so then even after I probably got said no to 10 times, I'm like, all right, I need to change this. We're going bare bones. I'm just going to ask for less. And I cut out all the fluff and said, all right, $50,000 loan. Can I get it? And I still went into a couple different banks and they all said, no, it doesn't matter what you ask for. We just can't give you any money because you don't have anything to put up for it anymore. And it's definitely different in different areas because I have friends in different areas where it's smaller town, smaller bank. They're willing to lend to small businesses. Hmm. But in Chicago, that's just not the case. Yeah. And so the reason that I got a loan, I actually got an SBA loan. What does that mean? It's backed by the government. Interesting. Up to 10 to 15%. So the bank is actually only on the hook for 10 to 15%. So it's a really great loan for banks. And, but they're not easy to get. And so I got introduced to this online bank. I think they're 
out of Florida or Ohio or something. And I submitted my application, asked for 50,000, got a call from them. And they're like, yeah, great. You know, we're willing to loan to you. And of course, I'm just like, awesome. And they're like, but, you know, I think I think you'll need seventy five thousand dollars. And really you wanted. Yeah. What? <laughs> like, Can you so it was a really interesting process. That is interesting. Because they've lended to a lot of chiropractors before and they know that wow. like we need more capital. And I did thankfully need that more capital. We would have been in a lot more trouble probably if we didn't have it um but we were able to get the loan it was a very long process because of the sba sure. criteria it took months to actually finish getting the loan yeah. because of everything that was in play and the lease needed to be signed pending the loan and all of that and so i was searching for a lease it was very difficult as well and through that process i think we found the lease we were going for and the loan by like March of 2016. So July 2015 to March 2016, finally getting solidified. And then we started build out in April. In April, we executed the lease. And so then we were finally able to open through August. I remember. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of a crazy time. I remember when nuts. just like the building out that was so fun. Mm -hmm. I just remember <laughs> there was one. <laughs> I never want to do a build out again. I'm I just pay remember there to was one. The week that we opened, there was one morning where I literally got into the shower, and I was like, something feels really weird about this shower. And we had been pulling like almost all nighters just because everything was like IKEA building and stuff. So we're like anyone come over we'll give you pizza if you help us and i walk into the shower i'm like something feels funny about this and i was literally dressed head to toe in my pajamas <laughs> washing my hair like it was like no I've thing never heard like this. it was no thing yeah because yeah, i was we were just so oh tired wow. like, we we're so excited but so tired i'm like okay i guess i'm just gonna finish the shower <laughs> and now my pjs are also clean yeah. <laughs> oh that's God. so funny yeah. i love it so the bank loan, what that's just for like the build out and for rent and like for what, yeah, tell what, us, what tell else? Tell us about the fluff. I want to hear about this fluff that well, you cut you out. Know, like <laughs> what? What did you decide to cut? How did you, you know? cut seventy five thousand yeah, like dollars worth of stuff? It was like also working capital too. Okay. So okay. you try and get six months sure. of like solid working capital that you can pay yourself off that you can live off of too. Mm -hmm. Got and it. well, because you know, that's cheaper than living off a credit card. Right. Because it's your job and you don't you're not working another job. So it's a bis it's the best sense. loan you can get yeah. for yeah. Uh, the rate. Sure. And that's just typical business is trying to have that working capital. But also what else did I cut out? Well, high end furnishings, someone else make my desk that's actually designed to be a desk and not be my uncle making us our desk, which turned out great, but it's not perfect. Right. And so we cut out a lot of these different things that would have been just nicer. Right. I shopped at Ikea and we built everything right. and it's not the greatest materials. And we just cut as many corners as we could mm -hmm. to we did all the labor ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like we cut all these corners to make it easier and more affordable. And that money ran out fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. 
sure. So you mentioned at the beginning, uh, before we even started recording, that you would do things differently. Um, can you explain a little bit of what you meant by that? Yeah, that's a tough one. I was, I was talking with Lauren about that and she got a little upset about it because I, we, we just did it and we're doing okay. Like, am I happy we open an office? Yes. I just would have taken less risks with opening the business because I didn't create any type of barrier between my family and my business. I was willing to put my name on a piece of paper, no matter what it said, if it got me to opening my business while I still had all the equity in it. And in reality, I should have been a little bit more risk adverse or tried to find better deals maybe for a In what ways? Like what, what risks wouldn't you have taken? I would have decreased my overhead. Hmm. Maybe I open up a smaller space, rent one room rather than build this beautiful facility that we still were able to do at an affordable rate. But sure. But it's a lot more expensive. When your overhead starts out at seven to $10,000 a month. Right. Yeah. You burn that really fast. Right. Yeah. And so I, what I would like to do differently is have an overhead of less than $5,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then I can do a shorter term lease, make more profit. Right. Because I mean, we were still profitable within the first three months of running business, but we weren't paying ourselves then. Right. And so we could have been stable if we had less risk. And so that's where I had people like the attorney going through the lease with me saying like, are you sure you can do this? Are you sure you can take the, like, are you sure you can handle these payments? It's like, yeah, of course I can. I was very confident in my abilities to provide chiropractic care and to grow a practice, but I was very naive and maybe I didn't work hard enough either. Who knows to grow the practice faster. Mm. But my perspective opening up was, well, it's like, well, my name is worth nothing. I'll bankrupt it if I have to. Interesting. Right. Mm, Because I don't want to go work for someone, make very little money, be struggling still where I could try and build something and grow it. And so that's where we're at now. It's like, obviously we, you know, we grinded Mm -hmm. and we got there to a point where it's like, I'm not worried about the office losing, but it was definitely stressful on me, on Lauren and I would have done just done it differently mm-hmm. so that we could have maybe had her working less, mm-hmm. not working so much, having less stress because finances are stable and we're not maxing out credit cards because we're just trying to live while we're still not being able to pay ourselves well enough. Yeah. And so that's how I would do it differently so that it could create more freedoms and more control versus just saying like, we can do it, I think. Sure. And Lauren, what's your perspective on that? No, I totally agree with that. I think that when you first have the idea to open up a business or start anything new, it's that honeymoon phase, right? Everything sounds so great and so exciting and so much potential and just like rainbows everywhere. And then you start to do it and you realize, crap, this is a lot of work, Mm -hmm. but I can still do it. And I feel like right now we're in the phase where, like he said, Like we're really content 
with owning our own business. It's just part of our life now. We don't have to like think about it as much as we did in the beginning, but there's still a lot of struggles that are go along with that. We're really content. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're in the place in our life now where it's part of our life. Like in the beginning, it was so new. We're like, will this work? Will this not work? Now we're at the phase where we're like, it has to work. You know, hmm. this is our life um, and our family. So I think that all that applies. Um, I do agree with him. I feel like we were really big dreamers. I've never been like a super big dreamer ever. And then I married this guy and he's like, we can do all these things. I'm like, yeah, we could do it. <laughs> um, which is so great. And I really love you for that. Um, but I also think that a lot of our life, like I said in the beginning, is so fast and furious that we never really pumped the brakes to take a step back. Hmm. Um, and I, I honestly don't think that we did that um, until we went on vacation a couple of months ago. That was really the first time that we kind of pumped the brakes through everything um, and kind of just reflected and took a step back of this isn't really working for our life, how we're running our business right now. How can we make some changes? So hmm. recently we made some changes and I feel like it, it has really helped, you know, our, our business and our marriage too. Yeah. I think that's what people don't realize. And I see it so often in like 20 somethings, like I'm just watching people who, who have way less overhead and like things that need to like be in place than you guys needed to just like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to like freelance or start my own thing. And it's like, no, it's like, it's a freaking lot of work. Like it's working for yourself in so many ways sucks, but in so many ways it's so rewarding. And I think people just like, don't realize that it's like, no, you grind all the time. Like the buck just stops with also you. What you're interested in doing as well. Sure. And, and, and what your overhead is as well. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have overhead, it's kind of like, Oh, I had a bad month. Oh, well I'll yeah. eat ramen. He's like, yeah, no, oh, I had a bad month. <laughs> like I have $10,000. Right, I have $10,000. <laughs> yeah. no, I have to pay somebody and this I've, month. I feel like we have and rent and yeah. And there, you can't compare any business. Every business is so oh, different, yeah. but mm -hmm. I feel like we have a little bit heavier weight on our shoulder in the sense that when we go home, you know, he's working with families that are really a lot of families that are really struggling. Right. So it's like we can't only make this work for our family, but we have to make this work for all the families out there who are looking for us mm -hmm. or all the families right now who are with us. I mean, we I literally sent out an email I'm like, OK, I need to make our email campaign so much catchier. No one opens them. So I literally made when we um, announced that we were closed for like a Saturday, the heading as we're closing dot, dot, dot. And like the, that was also the announcement for our vacation. Oh, yeah. For our vacation. We're closing for like two weeks. People <laughs> freaked out. They were like literally people walked in like I got that email. I thought you guys were closing and you cannot close. And I'm like, that was like huge. That's I'm like, awesome. oh, my gosh. I know That's that brutal. people care, but it's like Lauren's wow. first clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That was amazing. But it was like, we can't like, this is, you know, owning your own business. It's one right. thing for your own family, but it's also how it impacts everyone else around you as oh, well. Yeah. And with you guys being like in the realm of like health and people's well-being, I think it's even more like, I mean, yeah, we're photographers and videographers and we take photos and video of weddings and that's important. But like when you're talking about someone's literal well-being of their life and like changing the trajectory of their life like there is a bigger weight mm -hmm. there i yeah, think and definitely. that's so significant and that's something that 
we would have to lean on. That's something that, you know, I would have to remind Lauren of when it got really hard and something yeah. that I have to remind myself of. It's like, because there were times when I would look at a construction worker and be like, that looks good getting paid to just work and go home and mm -hmm. sleep versus not being able to sleep mm -hmm. because you don't know what's coming next. And so I have been in really low places of that. Lauren has been in very low places of like uh, not wanting to have the office anymore. And it's times when we look at the testimonials that the moms write about their kids being able to talk, being able mm -hmm. to stare them in the eye, being able to get straight A's in their classes when they've struggled in the past or, you know, being able to crawl after they're not being able to move. And those are the stories that we look at because it's not just us that we're, we're not just here to make money. You know, we really are servants and that's something where we need to lean on that because mm -hmm. we're not doing it necessarily just for us because we're really doing it for the child when it's mm -hmm. hard taking care of kids with these neurodevelopmental challenges is it's a hot topic in mm -hmm. you know pediatric care and chiropractic and therapy all these things and it's people see it as like a trending thing like oh it looks like so much fun but in reality it's really hard mm -hmm. to take care of kids that can't communicate that are screaming but the changes we see are what make it happen. I had to tell our employee because kids cry in our office hmm. and it hurts. Like it hurts our feelings, right? When they cry and like, we're very empathetic towards that. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't know if I can be around that. I don't know if I can have do that in the future. It's like, I don't do it for me. I do it for them. And so we have to do it because we're the only mm -hmm. ones that can. Hmm. And so that's what we're, why we, do what we do. That's super cool. And stick with it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Love, love that. that. One of the things that I think you guys do really well is show your value. And especially when you're, you know, you sit down and you talk with a new, a new patient or a potential patient, um, and you just communicate why it's valuable for them to be under care specifically with you. And can you talk a little bit about, um, just kind of the metamorphosis of that, like where it started when you first got started and how it's changed over time? Yeah. The first thing is that I'm not telling them that it's valuable for them, that I try to have them discover that it's valuable for them. Hmm. And it's a Socratic type of method of asking questions so that they come to the conclusion that you want them to, because I need to hold my values here and when theirs are here theirs need to raise otherwise there's a disconnect and you can never really tell someone what they what they value you need to have them figure it out on their own and so i don't know how i became good at sales good at presenting value because that's what sales is being able mm -hmm. to create value for someone and I don't know how I created a process that allowed me to do that in a very efficient way. Um, it came from me spending a lot of time with coaching and training and I invested, oh boy, well over 10 to 15 to $20,000 in personal and professional development 
And that has allowed me to create the type of process that I have, but be able to put it together and really work at it at the end of school and then early on so that I could observe different offices and see how they did it, but really create a unique experience where people start to come up with these shifts in their paradigm because they're going from like, fix my child to this is important for them, even if they didn't have challenges. Mm. And that's my goal. So that they understand the difference, right? I mm-hmm. want them to get their result, but in reality, everybody needs to have it. And so that's where I was able to do all this training and create this process. And it's always, it's been very similar since I started, but I want to always be more efficient with my time, with my energy, with our systems. And so that's why next month I'm doing a workshop figure out if I can make my systems more efficient for that intake process for someone to create value in a quicker way. Hmm. And it starts, I mean, it starts from the beginning. It's not just when they're in the office, but the number of touch points that they have with us outside, how we've branded ourselves on our website, our social media that Lauren does, uh, what the reviews say, how that person answers the phone or communicates before they even schedule an appointment. So that's where we've shifted that. And now I'm doing the intake calls and pre-qualifying people Mm. because I don't want to waste someone else's time coming in and they had different expectations, but I also don't want to waste mine because it's taking away time from my family, It's taking time from my energy Mm -hmm. and that just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you guys do a really good job with Trailhead Creative of just like creating an experience for your clients, um, even before you shoot their wedding day or engagement photos. And I feel like we've been really working on that of creating an experience for the people that walk through our doors, everything from the color scheme, making it feeling warm and inviting and not like a sterile office that they're used to going to every day. Um, we are a family practice. Um, and so people even if I'm not there that he talks about his wife that works for the office, people know that they see that on our website. Um, we want our families to feel comfortable with even just if their kids are running around, like it's not a big deal. Like you even we, have like literal, to- like a whole toy section. Yeah, for the kids, so we have a toy awesome. room. We have an adjusting table f- specifically for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on getting his exam room to be more kid friendly, having more toys in there. So Mm -hmm. the value really begins even before they meet with him of just kind of creating that experience for the people that walk through our doors. Mm -hmm. And we get complimented on that all the time, even if it's Mm -hmm. single people that don't even have kids. Um, So I think that's something that we really pride ourselves on as well. Mm -hmm. Lauren, can you share a little bit about your social media? I've obviously gotten to watch your strategy and stuff like that. And you used to do a lot more like chiropractic focus, like articles, posts, stuff like that. But you've kind of started to shift and tell us a little bit about that. Is there intentionality behind it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I still talk a lot about chiropractic because that's really our meat and potatoes. Um, but we've also started incorporating more tips and tricks for the people in our office and the people that follow us so that they really feel supported um, in overall health and not just the chiropractic chiropractic aspect of it. In our um, consultation, Tom talks a lot about the three T's. So removing those from your life, your negative thoughts, 
traumas. Um, traumas that happen and toxins. And so I'm really trying to focus our posts and our blogs and everything that we do around that mm. and having people feel supported. Cause when they come in our office, we only do chiropractic. We don't do outside therapies. We don't do um, nutrition counseling. We do, we have a couple supplements that we recommend, but it's not really pushed heavily because we know the importance of chiropractic. No one else does it like us, right? So mm-hmm. if we have someone that needs something else, we'll refer them outside. Yeah. But I know it's just as important for the families in our office to live a healthy lifestyle in all areas, even when they leave our office. So yeah. if they come to our office and get adjusted regularly, that's amazing. But if they're going home and eating McDonald's or going home and using, I don't even know, because we don't Sitting even use it Sitting on the couch anymore. for two hours, watching TV, yeah, or feeling bad about themselves. like Pantene Pro-V shampoo or something, you know, <laughs> we... <laughs> Really? Toxic shampoo. Well, we I don't just know. got sponsored it's, by Pantene, so like, <laughs> gotta edit that out. It's gonna <laughs> impact their health and it's gonna impact their healing, and so we want them to know all these added things that they can be doing on their own because yeah, yeah. people like that. They like to feel like they're responsible for something at home, and we mm-hmm. want them to do these things. So, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> you just consistently did posts yeah and so that's where like in the beginning your posts weren't as great we were both doing it and it's literally just a learning process on how Mm -hmm. to start to like design posts yourself and create more engaging content and i guess for people out there that are looking for more um just social media tips on our facebook we post at least twice a day and on instagram we post at least once a day um and then i post blogs on our website every two weeks so consistency is really key Hmm. um yeah that's great for us yeah what would be your number one piece of advice you'd offer to another family if they were interested in starting a business what kind of business (laughs) (laughs) just like they have they have their day jobs they're just finishing out college yeah. And they're just, they're, they're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Me that's and my wife. We can't work together. It's a tough one. That's where, that was another tough one that I had figuring out. Like, what's the one thing that I could say that would make a big impact well, What is it for someone? I don't, if, I don't know what the one thing <laughs> is, but you know, it's really taking a look at what you're looking to do and where you're at in your life. Right. Like when I did it, I didn't have anything to lose. And so, at that point, you didn't even have a kid. Right. And I and didn't have a kid. Making those or I thought of a kid. So yeah. I was willing to just yeah. throw everything in. If I had a family and I was starting to think about opening a business and I had a job, I would have probably taken it a bit slower, really created a plan, probably would have been a little bit more risk adverse and set these steps in place with clear expectations. And so it's like really having these ideas of what you're looking to do, but understanding that it's probably not going to take off like you think. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I would recommend someone to just really like, yeah, I'm all for people opening their own business. I actually, my holistic dentist, she let me know that she's opening her own business because I pushed her to do it. Wow. And That's very cool. It's something where it's like, well, what is she doing to do that? Well, she's going to school to open up a dentist practice, but what is she doing also? Her husband still works. 
and she still works while she's doing that. Mm -hmm. They're able to save, create capital. She has experience. And then when they open their practice, I think he's going to work with her. And so they are going to really run Mm -hmm. a true family practice, but they're going to open up with less risk because they Mm -hmm. know that they're going to be able to make it because they're very unique and they have set training and plans in place. Mm -hmm. And so that's where really setting plans in place and having realistic expectations are probably the one thing I would recommend for a family and have that clear communication on what it will look like in the different paths that the business could go Mm -hmm. so that you know exactly what to expect Hmm. and what your next plan of action is and then be able to adapt to it. Yeah. I think for me, it's just kind of reflecting to yourself before you take the next step on where do you actually see yourself in the next five years, 10 years? Cause I, I think that I wasn't necessarily completely honest with myself. Like we were opening up the office and I'm like, I want to be this boss, babe. You know, like everyone's like hashtag boss, babe. I'm like, I want to do that. But that's so not my personality. Mm. I'm not the boss, babe. I'm the background cheerleader. That's just going to cheer him on. Um, <laughs> We didn't have those expectations oh set. We really didn't. And so when Oliver came around, I'm like, I want to be a mom. He wants me to be a boss, babe. I kind of want to be a boss, babe. It was just really confusing. Um, so I feel like sitting down um, and just kind of reflecting to yourself what you actually want. What, what do you want this business to mm-hmm. be? Do you want this to be your families, everything like lifeline, or do you want it to be a side hustle or, you know, what do you actually want it to be? Um, and then being honest with your significant other, whoever your partner is. It's also about that. uh, having understanding and grace that we're constantly changing and figuring Mm -hmm. out what we want too. Yeah. And maybe you didn't even know what you were getting yourself into. Like (laughs) you got into it and you're like, Oh, that's what this is. Oh, that's how he is. No, you know what? It's so crazy because people ask that all the time. Like, how do you work with your husband and wife? And in the beginning it was really great and it it still is great, but it was just like really easy. And then once things, other things get messy, it just kind of spirals. So Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely growing pains throughout it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, I wanted to ask you one more question. Yeah. Growing May Essentials. Yeah. I want to hear a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Tell me. So Lauren's doing like a million things, right? <laughs> She's <laughs> boss babe at Roots. <laughs> I want to be boss babe at Roots. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Stay at home mom. She's still working at the hospital for OT a couple days a week and started an Instagram called Growing May to kind of document family life and motherhood and now recently just launched Growing May Essentials. And is this like going somewhere like or is this just kind of like passion project? It's Tell me about it. It's kind of like a passion project. So I started Growing May because after having Oliver, I just really like enjoyed motherhood and everything that it entails. And so growing is the whole aspect of evolving. May, the month of May just has a ton of meetings. We actually were pregnant before Oliver and had a miscarriage in May, gave birth to Oliver in May and May is Mother's Day. So it's just kind of like this Hmm. month of just like so many different aspects of motherhood Mm -hmm. that I've been through. Um, 
And then this past week, I started growing May Essentials because a lot of people were like, you use all these non-toxic products. What are they? And it was just kind of an outlet for me to just be creative and just try something new. Um, Not going anywhere. I'm not planning on being sponsored by anybody, but it's just more fun for me. Cool. Um, Someone that I follow was like, do something when you are the wife to the sole business owner, do something for yourself that's fun. What is that? What's what's passion? What makes you happy? And I just am really passionate about women, especially moms, reducing the toxic load so that they can be better moms and have more babies if they so choose to, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so just kind of a fun thing on the side. That's awesome. I think I have I like four it. posts and like five likes per post, but so go follow me. <laughs> I have like 10 followers. Look at the show notes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's just totally an on the side fun thing. It's nothing that I'm hoping to really blast off anything. I think that's so good though. Like what you just said, it's like you can get so caught up in business. And even like if you're not in the business, you can get so caught up in your spouse's business that you just don't have your own thing. I think that's really cool. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, Tom is going to try to find his business plan. We'll put a link in the show notes, throw that PDF up there. You can read all 50 pages. You can DM him and be like, yo, I read it and I'm stealing it all. Just kidding. Um, But yeah, super excited. Thank you guys so much for being on the Mm -hmm. podcast and that's all we got. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. Of course. (laughs) 